Welcome to the Classical U Guests and Highlights Podcast. I'm Jesse Hake, Director at Classical U. We have a guest with us in the studios today, and she is from the Care Paravel Latin School, which is one of the three oldest schools in the country doing classical Christian education. The story of the school and um, the, the, its place in the renewal uh, movement's history is fascinating. Nicole Koopman is here recording for a course with us on women in the tradition that is in the works we hope to release in the coming months uh, with multiple presenters. And uh, as we were working with her on women in the tradition, we were excited to talk to her about her own background at Care Paravel. Care Paravel is one of three schools where uh, all at the same time in three different uh, places in the same uh, 12-month period, approximately 1980 to 1981, uh, all three of these schools started doing classical Christian education uh, without uh, any collaboration. There's uh, hardly even knowledge of each other's work uh, originally. It's kind of like, um, as Christopher Perrin loves to tell the story, um, Leibniz and Newton discovering uh, calculus at the same time independently, only to realize later that they, they had both discovered the same thing. So, um, of course, not a new discovery, but the um, realization that there's this wonderful tradition, uh, riches and depths uh, to enjoy, that uh, we had drifted uh, or, uh, far away from or that had uh, fractured into so many different uh, subject areas that could be uh, renewed and regained. And uh, the Logo School in Moscow, uh, Trinity School, um, Greenlawn in, uh, in South Bend, Indiana, and then um, Care Paravel, Care Paravel being uh, the first in, in 1980, just a year ahead of the others. So I asked Nicole about her own story, which includes uh, her experiences as a student and, uh, and then now as a uh, faculty member there. And uh, it was wonderful to hear about some of the distinctives of uh, their approach to Christian classical education and her own personal experience uh, as a student and as a teacher at Care Paravel. Thanks for listening in. Nicole, can you tell us a little bit about your experience at Care Paravel as both a student and now as a full-time teacher? Yeah, so Care Paravel came about in 1980 with the vision of a group of families who, many of whom had been part of the Integrated Humanities Program uh, at the University of Kansas. Uh, so they came out of KU deciding that they wanted to form their own unique kind of school. So at the time, there really weren't classical Christian schools around. And so they're unique in this, that they're kind of forging their own path um, and blazing their own trail. And so they decided to have this kind of crazy idea to form this K through 12th grade school in which students would get to read the great books and they would have an integrated curriculum where the subjects align with each other. And that's basically how Kerperval Latin School was formed. Originally, it was kind of two separate schools. So there was Topeka Latin School and it uh, formed into kind of this one giant school, Kerperval Latin. Um, so that's kind of the origins of the school. So it's in, in the middle of Topeka, Kansas, and it's been around since 1980 now. So we've been around for about as long as the renewal of classical education has been. And I've, I've been really proud to be a part of it. 
Uh, so how I came to be part of Care Paraville is that I started attending in seventh grade. So my family at the time was looking around for schools. We weren't quite happy with the one I was going to at the time. And we kept hearing about this, you know, dinky little school called Care Paraville. And while we were looking for a new school, it just kept popping up on our radar. And we kept hearing more and more, and we hadn't heard a thing about it before. And so I we made the decision that I would transfer in seventh grade. And it was honestly one of the best decisions I'd ever made. Uh, so I sort of uh, launched right into school. Uh, you know, it was tough because it is a curriculum that builds upon previous years. And so most of my classmates who weren't new had already had Latin. Uh, so I remember the first couple weeks of school was kind of a trial by fire and just going through 13 chapters of Latin as fast as I possibly could. And uh, so that part of it was tough, but Oh, it was it was a great experience, and uh, as a student, I loved having the teachers who, you know, were passionate not just about their faith but also about classical education and learning. And you know, while we learned about you know, for instance, uh, the history of the Bible in the ancient world, we also studied ancient history in seventh grade. Um, now the curriculum has been tweaked a little bit since I graduated, and so they're studied at different points, but it was really a beautiful way of, of having an educational experience that was unlike anything else at the time. And so it was a joy to be part of that. And part of our education, especially at the high school level, is this two-year capstone course called Great Ideas. Uh, so after Mortimer Adler's Six Great Ideas. And Basically, it's a two-year philosophy course where uh, it's, it's, I think it's always been co-taught. And so you have one year and you study essentially ethics or you might study moral philosophy. Uh, you get a year of epistemology, or at least that's how it was when I was a student, and a year of political philosophy as well. And so really, it's just taking all of these things that as a student, you learned throughout your time at the school and in classical education, and then you're sort of uh, culminating it in this philosophical course. And at the very end of all of it, you add a capstone and a presentation, and it was simply titled, What is the Good Life? And so each of us had to come up, you know, as seniors in high school, which was pretty frightening at the time, you know, our own thesis statement in about a 15-minute talk. And I just remember it being done in the library there and me just quivering in fear because, you know, all of the best and brightest teachers of the school were there. And, you know, they had a, a panel of faculty. And after I gave my talk, they asked me questions on the spot. So any guests, you know, parents could come, other people from the school could come and attend too. So, you know, it was a really great experience of taking kind of the concepts of grammar and logic and the things that we had learned in the classroom and then applying it in rhetoric as well. And so that was just a little bit on the educational side. And then the other thing I really enjoyed being a student there was the formation of the whole person. Um, you know, we're not just in the classical tradition trying to turn us all into robots that can spit out information, but of course, form us in virtue, and especially the intellectual virtues, but also uh, the other moral virtues too. So, uh, you know, in my time there, because we were a small school, I was lucky enough to be able to play sports and, you know, engage in that part, uh, but also, you know, 
do activities like choir, uh, like uh, the different plays or musicals that were being put on as well. Uh, so which I think is kind of an under underrated side of uh, the rhetoric side of classical education is being able to get a, up in front of an audience and speak. Uh, so that was just a little bit of my experience as a student there. And then fast forward, gosh, 10, 15 years, and now I'm back as a teacher. And that has been a blessing in a completely different sense. And, you know, there's a lot that's changed in the school since then. Uh, I teach actually up on the third story of the school, which was a forbidden attic at the time that I was a student there and we never went up there. Uh, but, you know, they discovered basically a bat infestation up there. And then in the process, uh, they were trying desperately to find new space for their expanding school. And the worker who was up there said, hey, do you guys realize that this is stable enough to put classrooms up? So, you know, what seemed like a, a downfall ended up being a blessing for our school. Uh, that we were able to expand. And so that's where I teach. I teach in the logic school, so seventh and eighth grade students. And now I'm, I'm back teaching ancient history and literature. So uh, the way we do it is it's uh, more or less a combined course. So at the same, same time as they're studying ancient Greece, they're also learning about ancient mythology. And that same year, they've also been reading uh, Antigone and Oedipus Rex, for example. Uh, they've read the Odyssey this year. And so they're getting all of this uh, history of classic age Greece. That's just one example. But they're also getting the literature at the same time. Uh, so it's been really a, a joy and a delight being back and taking the principles that I learned in logic rhetoric school and even in the college that I attended and being able to apply that in the classroom has been really a huge blessing, um, being back with people who are interested in becoming more virtuous and also truly interested in offering the best education we can possibly try to offer to students too. Nicole, can you tell us a little bit about that experience of being in a classroom as a student where there's team teaching going on? That sounds like a fascinating experience uh, in a team teaching classroom. The team teaching experience as a student was fantastic. So I enjoyed seeing how the teachers interacted with each other. Uh, so not only do we get an example from uh, very wise teachers, uh, Brian Williams was among them at the time, uh, but not only did I get the examples of good teachers who were able to impart wisdom to us, and because it was largely discussion-based that we learned from each other, uh, but we were also dis able to see how the teachers could interact with each other too. Uh, sort of, you know, just the, the fun banter and the back and the forth, but also see how, you know, one day one teacher could take the lead, and then another day another teacher could take the lead, and just how they bounced these ideas off of each other as well. Uh, so some days more than others, they would be co-teaching. Uh, you know, one day they might just sit back and observe um, and add comments in the peanut gallery, sort of. But it was a really valuable experience, especially as uh, you move to your senior year and you're kind of starting to turn your gaze from just simply being a child and a student to also being an adult uh, was a great example of seeing just how adults on an intellectual level can interact with each other and how they can build off each other and support each other in this process of academia, which I think you know, often has a reputation for being a solitary endeavor, that I think it's really valuable having uh, these, these teachers who can provide an example of 
what great conversation actually looks like and bringing us alongside of them in the process of teaching us. Uh, so I'm sure it made them stronger teachers and it made us stronger students as well, uh, getting to learn and observe different teaching styles and just getting to see uh, basically double the wisdom in these courses uh, that, you know, I think there's a lot that we wouldn't have learned or it wouldn't have been as rich had we not had both of these teachers uh, giving us just the wisdom that they had learned from different thinkers over time. Nicole, can you tell us a little more about the educational journey you went on after graduating from Care Paravel, after high school, uh, the educational journey, your professional studies, and return to teaching at Care Paravel? Uh, so the year after I graduated, uh, like many families, uh, I sort of picked a college that had offered me a that was a little bit cheaper, to be honest, uh, so that it offered a scholarship. Uh, it was just your kind of run-of-the-mill public school, public college. So I attended that school for a year. And throughout the course of that year, I kind of had this nagging sense that something wasn't right, uh, that I recognized that my, I guess for lack of a better word, it almost sounds corny, but my soul was kind of hurting. Uh, so that I realized that I wanted you know, an education that wasn't just cherry picking electives out of the blue, uh, but that was really forming the whole soul again. Uh, so it was about that time that I actually talked with uh, a previous teacher of mine uh, from Care Paravel, and she advised that I look into, she named a few schools, and uh, I looked into one of those and I ended up transferring there. So to a small liberal arts college that also essentially had an integrated kind of program in which, you know, you would be studying ancient literature and history at the same time. Uh, we had theology and philosophy courses too. So it was very heavy in humanities. Uh, there was math and science offered as well. Um, and that it also required Latin for two years minimum for most of the students there. And so I remember going to visit that school and sitting in on, it was, I think, the Philosophy of Human Nature course. And I actually remember sitting in just that little 45-minute class, and I had the distinct thought that I have not thought in a year. I have not truly thought in a year. And I mean, once you kind of come to that conclusion, there's really <laughs> no reason to not go to a school like that once you've realized how much you're missing and the richness and a beauty of a school like that. Uh, so uh, after that, I ended up getting my theology degree there. And I had a professor who encouraged me, I was looking at church history at the time, and he encouraged me to look at medieval history uh, for a graduate degree. So I ended up going to St. Louis University, getting my master's and PhD there in medieval and early modern uh, for my minor field, European history. And in the process of that, I really ended up incorporating, once again, a classical liberal arts education into my topics. So I uh, wrote on, his name was Peter of Tarentes, or Pope Innocent V, and he was buddies and colleagues with uh, Thomas Aquinas and Bonaventure at the University of Paris. And so I found that, you know, even though I was getting a history degree, I was incorporating a lot of the lessons I had learned from philosophy and theology classes into my PhD experience. Uh, so in the process of that, I was lucky enough to be able to go visit archives. Um, and for medieval history, everything is written in Latin. And so just having Latin came in 
far more practically handy than I was ever anticipating it would. And so it was it was nice being able to utilize on a practical level some of those things I had learned at a classical school. Uh, so that's how I, I ended up getting my PhD after several years there. I ended up uh, getting work at a college in the United States. And after a time, I my heart started moving me back to K-12 education. Uh, so I started recognizing uh, that somewhere along the way, students were being failed in their educational process. And so my heart really ended up moving back to classical education, and I made the choice to return to classical education uh, so that I could um, start looking at subjects in an integrated way again, uh, so that I could start, you know, impacting the lives of students inside and outside of the classroom. So that's kind of how I made my circuitous route back to Care Paravel again. Um, it's been a blessing being back as a teacher. It's been great being back. Uh, some of my former teachers are now my colleagues, and so it's kind of fun continuing the conversation with them and, you know, training other, other students to appreciate lifelong learning as well. Nicole, can you tell us a little bit more about the ecumenical community at Care Paravel? And uh, is that an intentional aspect of their community? And what is the experience like with that? Yeah, so Care Paravel was intentionally founded uh, as an ecumenical school. So we take, uh, you might guess from the name of it, uh, being from Care Paravel, the castle in the Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, so we take a very mere Christianity kind of approach to classical education where uh, people from different Christian faiths are welcomed and accepted. And in fact, the founders had different backgrounds within Christianity as well. So from the start, it was intended to be an ecumenical school uh, that could uh, include Christians of different faiths as well. Uh, so, which is nice uh, for me. I am Catholic, and so it's been helpful since I am Catholic, and that was one of my concerns attending Care Paravel is that would it be ecumenical enough of a place to allow someone like me there too, who is a Christian, uh, but from a certain denomination or certain background. Um, and one of the nice things about Care Paravel is that there are people who are uh, Catholic, who we've had Orthodox come through, we've had Lutherans, uh, people from, you know, kind of your uh, Bible church from the area too. And so it's interesting because we have people of different faith backgrounds, both as students and as staff as well. And I think it makes uh, the, the discussion and the background at Care Paraville richer because it allows for some fruitful discussion. So it's, it's interesting that it was founded as uh, an ecumenical school, and that's the way that uh, Care Paravel has decided to be throughout its time, is allowing people uh, from different faith traditions to uh, be invited into the great conversation there. Thank you so much for listening to the Classical U Podcast. Please do check out our website, classicalu.com, and our teacher magazine, Altum. We hope you've enjoyed these conversations with presenters and live learning event hosts with Classical U.